Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Increase of Our Reality, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop a review or a rating and I'll give you a shout out on the show. While you're at it, come join the Telegram group and follow the show on Instagram and across social media. If you'd like to support the show, check me out over on Patreon for early access to Inquiries of Our Reality and Big Dumb Inquiries, which is the Swapcast show I co-host with Kyle Rainey of the Big Dumb Podcast. If you'd like to pick up some merch, come check out the merch store. If you want to help me out to upgrade my equipment and pump out even more awesome content for you guys, come donate over on Anchor. Or Kofi. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered, or you feel you have something to contribute to the show, send me an email at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the link tree link to be directed. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate you, and I couldn't be doing this without you. Now enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything. Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the now 47th episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today with me, I have Abby Johnson. Uh, How's it going today? I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. So uh, I guess to give like a brief description for people that don't know, and you can go a little bit more in depth with it. uh, You're a healer, a dream interpreter, and a teacher. So do you you care to describe and reiterate on that a little bit more? Sure. I'm, um, I am attuned to to Reiki. So I do um, Reiki healing, but I, I was taught specifically through a person who does data healing. So um, I, tend to do a lot more of the trauma healing. And this, this includes like limiting beliefs and looping patterns, you know, the stuff that we've done our whole entire life. And we know it's caused by childhood trauma or whatever. I've, I've done this my whole life because of this little incident. Um, I help people um, heal those. So that way they can stop repeating the pattern. They get out of the spiral. Um, and then I also, I interpret dreams. My dream interpretation is a mix of quite a few different things really, but it's not straight out of psychology textbooks though, though some of it is psychological. Um, and a lot of it, um, is just, just from things I've picked up here and there. Um, but I also like to teach lucid dreaming. It's one of the coolest things about dreaming and it's where people come into their power. So, so I guess to get rolling here, um, what, started your fascination with dreams in general that made you want to become somebody that teaches how to lucid dream and knows how to interpret dreams? I've just, I've been a very vivid dreamer since I was a child. I've always had people say that they wish they could dream like me. And I just thought that, that it was normal. You know, um, I have friends who dreamt in black and white and thought it was weird that I dreamt in color. Hmm. And 
yeah, I mean, I did, I think it's really weird that people dream of black and white. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I just some of my earliest memories are dreams. Oh, what so, are what are some of those memories? I'm actually I'm curious about what type of uh, dreams you have that get you know got you interested in this kind of stuff. Was there any particular dreams that you found extra fascinating that you know kind of pushed you into the path that you're on? Um, well, the earliest dream I remember is that my mom was dressed like a Mardi Gras clown, and it was pretty scary. It was a nightmare. So, so most of my earliest dreams are nightmares, and I think that's true with probably most people that they're most. And I remember. It was probably like when I was five and I heard everybody, we watched um, Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. and I didn't know what a tornado was. I just heard everybody talking about it. So I dreamt like that there was tomatoes all outside my house. So, but that's a really good example of how your subconscious or will take what it knows or it'll take things that sound like tomato and tornado and it'll, um, it'll create something just to to code it for later mm-hmm. so but no I just um those were those are some of my earliest dreams that I remember but say so I, I definitely can play off that too um where I'd say my first dreams that I remember were actually nightmares too so it's kind of weird that it's like the trauma is what you remember but you don't remember the good dreams but uh I know that a lot of dreams aren't exactly as they appear so um, just off of like things that you've experienced, uh, what's some of like the weirdest things that you've experienced in your dreams or from talking to other people about their dreams that they interpreted as like, say, this one particular crazy thing, taking it for exactly what it was, but it might actually mean this other thing. I don't know. It's hard to say because I do a lot of on the fly dream interpretation and I, I write down all my own dreams, but then I can go back through and then and not even remember that I dreamt that. So um on the fly dream interpretation. Um, well, I gave this example on another podcast, but I had a friend who kept like saying that she was in this mall and it was being flooded and she was sitting in these C-shaped chairs that were facing each other like this. And um, right across from her was Leo DiCaprio. And I've never heard anybody call him Leo DiCaprio. She called him, but I mean, everybody calls him Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Mm-hmm. And she kept calling him Leo, Leo, Leo. And she didn't know what it was. And I was like, well, what, where's your North and South? Or actually I said, what do you have in the signs of Leo and um, Capricorn? And she said, oh my gosh, my North and South node, which she's sitting on C-shaped shares, you know, which are horseshoe shapes, mm-hmm. which is the symbols for the North and South node. So a lot of time when you're dreaming ast- astrology, you're like, um, you're integrating those parts of your chart. Cause I feel like your chart is really more like your birth blueprint. It's not, to tell you who you are is telling you what you need to integrate in this lifetime. So uh, coming from like your experiences, uh, do you think that dreams are something that's created within your subconscious? Like you were saying where you connect certain things or do you believe that it is connect like a connection to another world possibly? Or do you think that it's uh, like a mix, like certain dreams are your subconscious and then certain dreams are possibly something from like the other side or another world? Well, there's dreams and there's dreaming and they're two different things. Dreams are just kind of, they're a yes and. They're um, like a memory palace. It's where you store your memories. We've heard that in psychology, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's also, so it's you processing your stuff from the day, but it's not just that. It's a yes and. It's also um, like I've had dreams where there's a big 
an obese version of me. And I didn't even know it was me. I just see this, this like fat girl who's like really embarrassing and she's got short hair and she looks really weird. And she's sitting there going, and her mom like smacks her. And she's like, Abby, you're 40 years old. Act like a a grown up. And I, I, it shocked me that that was me. So I'm running what, what they call the humiliation soul wound because humiliation is usually um, like I was acting embarrassing. I was mm-hmm. acting like a child in front and I'm 40 years old and I'm obese. These are all things that, that represents humiliation soul wound. So when I had this dream, that's my body or my subconscious telling me I'm getting ready to have something that I can alchemize. So a past memory that I've stored in my body. Um, and what I mean by that is like any memory that you have that has any tinge or, or twinge of pain. So, you know, like those memories are like from the third grade that'll pop up sometimes you're like, Oh my gosh, why did I do that? You know, I can't believe I did that. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, why does this bug me? Stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and it's something so little, you know, um, it happened so long ago, but, but it still has, you'll feel it in your body and you'll feel embarrassed or you'll feel shame or whatever you've stored that in your body. And it's causing disease because these are all emotion is supposed to move through your body. It's energy and emotion. That's literally what emotion stands for. They're sine waves. Mm-hmm. And they're not supposed to stay trapped, but we trap them when we, when we suppress them, we stop feeling them. We don't allow them to move through us. So we have, all of us have a lot of this trapped in our bodies. So um, dreams sometimes will let you know, Hey, something's going to come up. And you know, when you when you see the thing you need to do your alchemy. So I had that dream the next day I had this memory of like this guy in my twenties that I was stupid. You know, um, when we were dating, he, he stopped talking to me. So I'm texting his friend and like it, the memory came up just randomly the next day. And I felt so embarrassed. I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. And I was like, okay, that happened so long ago. Why are you thinking about that? And then I was like, Oh, that's the humiliation thing that I needed to heal. So it's almost like your subconscious, your subconscious is your body. Mm-hmm. So your body's telling you, Hey, okay, let's get this out. You know, it might not tell you exactly what it is. It's going to tell you what it's related to. And then when it's, when it comes up, that's your chance to heal it and get it out. So then I had to sit there. I do what's called Ho'oponopono. Are you familiar with it? I might be saying it wrong. Um, I'm not personally, but also for the guests that uh, aren't, or not guests, but the listeners that aren't familiar, if you care to explain it, I'd appreciate yeah. it. It's um, this Hawaiian technique for, for self-healing and, it's so simple and it's my, one of my favorite things to do now because I can do it just about anywhere. So you go back into the memory and you just have to say these four phrases and you just say it until you feel it and you kind of breathe while you do it. It's I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. And I love you. So you just say it over and over. So you, you think of the person and sometimes it doesn't feel like it applies to them. But you say it anyway. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Say it until you feel like you can move to yourself. And then you go to the past version of yourself who did that stupid thing or whatever. And you do the same thing. Abby, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And you say it until you feel the release. And when you feel the release, you can think about the memory and you can laugh about it. And it doesn't cause pain in your body anymore. So you've alchemized it. 
So uh, people that are looking to learn how to do this and learn how to kind of like deal with their past experiences and come to terms with them. Um, if they are one of those people that don't typically remember their dreams or have an issue dreaming, uh, do you have recommendations for how people would be able to, you know, possibly have better dreams? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you don't remember your dreams, I actually have done this with a friend who stopped dreaming in 1987. So this woman um, was a very vivid, vivid dreamer. She had um, lucid dreams and everything before, and then they shut down. She literally dreamt of a seal that was mangled and cut up and bloody and she couldn't stand to look at it. She, a seal as in an animal, but this is your subconscious uses that word. Do you hear it? Seal. Mm -hmm. She sealed off her dreaming. She said no more. And she didn't dream again after that. So 1987 up until like, um, last year. So I did a session with her. She let, and I've done this with myself. Um, not because I stopped dreaming, but, um, you can go back into dreams and, retrieve soul fragments which is pieces of yourself that you've left behind and we all have them and no it sounds really weird but soul fragments are um it's not that they're still there they're still a part of you they're not actually in the place but like i used to always dream about my childhood home and every night for a year i dreamt in that house and i thought maybe because i was born there i was raised there whatever but it actually was that I had left a soul fragment there. So I used some of my more vivid dreams there that I had like sensory experiences, like with the sun coming in the window and the smell, mm -hmm. and you can use it as a portal to go back into the dream and find the piece of you that needs to come out and needs to be healed. So, um, and, and for me, when I did it, it wasn't what I expected. So I used the same technique on this woman. They call it shaman shamanic dream reentry. Mm -hmm. And so, so we did it. She took me through the dream and we actually did some crazy things. Like there was a pond that had scary things um, swimming in it. And I made her put her hands in it and grab an object out. And it was not what either one of us expected. It was really, really weird. And um, it was all tied to a memory that she didn't want to deal with. And we healed the memory and she's been dreaming again. So... Um, how do, how do you do that exactly? Um, okay. So it takes, so somebody who stopped dreaming, let's say that you, you had a dream a long time ago and you haven't dreamt again. Well, the first thing I would do is make sure that you're getting enough sleep and quality sleep because those things will obviously affect your dreaming. But, um, if it's like, it just, you sleep just fine and you don't ever remember your dreams or feel like you're not dreaming at all. It's usually, um, if you have a very vivid dream, we'll turn on some shamanic drum beats and I basically guide you through. We use it as a portal. So it's a doorway. That dream is a doorway to go in back into the dream and find out what we left behind and find out why things shut down. So, so, uh, I guess coming from personal experience, um, I'm definitely one of those people that, uh, like I used to dream travel when I was a kid, um, where I would like see myself, sleeping um and i'd be like outside of my body and when i came back i would always get sleep paralysis after so i started making that connection with other people that had those experiences um but that went on for a while and then when i was in my early 20s um my dreaming pretty much like stopped besides here and there i have like extremely vivid dreams um and i i've i know i've sent you the last couple ones that i've had uh but if you're somebody 
like me, um, do you have any other recommendations on like if you have super vivid dreams and you're trying, you know that you dream normally, but you just can't uh, remember the dreams? Like the second you wake up, you don't even remember you have the dream. Uh, do you have any other recommendations for somebody that might be able to like be able to make that connection and be able to keep those dreams in their in the forefront of their mind? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it begins and ends with intention. I know that sounds like very basic, but it's one of the best things to do. So before you go to sleep at night, just you have to intend to remember your dreams. Like I will remember my dreams when I wake up. Um, And it's way more powerful than you think, because you can use that same intention, that same time right before you go to sleep to, to do a whole number of things with your dreams. Um, But just for the sake of starting dreaming and remembering your dreams, I would just start with the intention of I'm going to remember my dreams. But then right when you wake up, the key is um, to not move your body. And it's really hard when you have pets or a baby or, or whatever, that's getting you up out of bed you have to jump up at it um, really quickly. But if you have the time and you can just lay there right before you get up, right. Um, keep your eyes closed And actually my friend does EMDR, which is a a type of therapy, um, where you do, you cross the midline of your body and you, so basically it's like hugging yourself and you're touching your shoulder with the opposite hands. Mm -hmm. And if you keep your eyes closed and you keep tapping your shoulders, um, one at a time, you know, with your eyes closed, try to remember every part of the dream, walk back through the dream before you even open your eyes, don't get out of bed and try not to move your body too much. Um, the tapping of your opposite shoulders while you're crossing the midline, it actually activates your brain, both sides of your, of your brain. And it makes it think it's still an REM sleep. So if you do the shoulder tapping and again, you sit there and try to run through the dream before you sit up. The second you sit up, it's gone. It's like, well, you know, you know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just weird how it instantly goes away. It just shuts down. I always so, say it's like sand, trying to hold sand in your yeah. hand and it just slides through. Where I feel like it's an hourglass. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly how I see it. I see it as a, I see it as an hourglass. It's just not going to sit in that top part. So in order to keep that open, you have to like sit there for a second and um, run through your entire dream or as much as you can remember before you sit up. And then if you forget, this is like the big, big thing. Intend right then. You just say, I'm going to remember my dream today. Something's going to happen and it's going to trigger my dream recall. And every time I do that, if I don't remember right when I wake up, I'll remember it. Some Something will happen that day. And every time it'll be Oh, I remember my dream now. That's how it usually goes for me too. It'll be just like some weird thing and it won't even be like a direct connection. It'll be like a face or something. And all of a sudden you'll have bing and a bunch of stuff will pop back in your brain. Like, Oh, where'd that come from? (laughs) Yeah. And so it's, it's about intention, just being intentional before you go to bed and right when you wake up. It seems like that's how most things are too. It's all about the intention and you have to have that mindset before you start going in. Um, Also to reiterate on that whole question that I asked too, um, I'm sure that there's a lot of uh, cannabis smokers um, that are listeners, of course, that are trying to reconnect with their dreams. Uh, do you have any recommendations that are, you know, specifically geared towards like cannabis smokers if they're having issues remembering their dreams? Because I know that that's supposed to play a huge factor in 
not remembering your dreams or not getting far enough into the dream to make it so that it's a memorable dream possibly? See, and I'm, I know I have a friend who was a cannabis smoker for a long time because he had sleep paralysis, but he also had the whole sleep paralysis, like demon type thing where it was pressing on his chest and he could see the entity in his room. So I loved hearing your accounts of sleep paralysis because yours was actually um, like what dreaming is supposed to be because lucid dreaming and the art of dreaming is really about finding your energetic body. So your energetic body was really, really strong when you were young, especially, but it was like, it was very natural for you. And which makes me think that it's still very natural for you, but, um, maybe trying to reconnect with it. That's what it is because I still will like get sleep paralysis sometimes, but I won't remember the dream beforehand. So I'm trying to like remake that connection, but, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of have this understanding of the reason why dream paralysis happens directly after is because it's almost like you're consciousness or whatever you want to call it, kind of like coming back into the vessel. It's like starting yeah. up a computer and it needing to have that reset time. Exactly. And so it's not, it's so neat for me to, because most people who have sleep paralysis that I've talked to lately have the scary experiences. They're not experiencing the fact that they've been out of their body. They could see their body and then they've come back. So, um, because a lot of times I think that they're getting ready to be out of body. Well, my daughter just started getting sleep paralysis. I taught her lucid dreaming. And I actually do want to bring this up just because it's kind of interesting. I told her, um, I taught her lucid dreaming because she has PTSD and Mm -hmm. she was having really bad nightmares. So I just taught her a few things about nightmares, but the first one I taught her was evasion. Like, okay, you have a nightmare. You just need to wake up in your dream. You can tell yourself you're dreaming and then you can change it. So she started doing that and it was really cool. Um, but it wasn't healing anything, you know, we're still kind of avoiding stuff. And, but, um, anyway, everything I tell her, if I tell her to try something, she's going to try it before me. And it, it, it irritates <laughs> the crap out of me because it's like, okay, glad you did it, but now it's my turn. Right. Um, but I had told her to, um, about these, uh, gosh, I think they're called luminosities. There's like five five areas in your dreamscape where you go and you can find um, they're basically power-ups, but they're specific to you. And four of the places have these power-ups um, that, that will actually power up your energetic body because everybody has a body double. It's, it's the other part of you that exists in the dream place, right? Yeah, it's like your consciousness. Yeah. And so anyway, I told her to do it that night. She dreamt, she went on top of a mountain. She took herself on top of a mountain and she had to, um, she got this like little crystal ball thing and she was trying to pull these light fibers out of it and she couldn't get them. So she finally, um, decided she needed tweezers. So she grabbed tweezers and she got them. She got, um, the illumination and the next night she had sleep paralysis with the sleep paralysis demon, like, um, choking her. So it's like, I felt like it was like vampiric trying to steal her power up. It's kind of interesting. So I like it. Yours, my idea too, with, uh, I feel like the reason why people get that experience after is because it's like, you're away from your, your vessel, we'll just call it. And, uh, other things sense that. And the reason why they're usually sitting on top of your chest, things like that is because they're trying to like take over your vessel while nobody's around. That's kind of like my idea that I've gotten from it. And if you have a lot of dark things going on in your life, 
uh, and you're already full of negative energy, it's kind of like they're preaching around you even when you're not sleeping. And then as soon as you are sleeping and you leave your vessel, they're doing anything they can to try to get into openings in your aura, right? Just open openings in your energetic field. And so, yeah, it's absolutely. See, I love that. You're helping me kind of develop new philosophies and I like it. So awesome. That's what this show's for. I like that when I can leave the show and I feel like I've learned something and my guest also has some more dots to connect and has learned something. That, that's kind of what I, what I try to do here. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that, that's the nice thing about connecting with people, right? <laughs> exactly. So I guess uh, since I kind of want to get into the whole looming, lucid dreaming concept. Um, so as for me, I've tried to do it. And the way that I personally do it is that I'll uh, leave like a nightlight on in my field of vision where I'm sleeping. So it's almost like leaving like a, like the back door unlocked in a sense. So it's like your brain doesn't fully go to sleep. Um, but when I do this and I try to lucid dream, uh, the second that I realize that I'm in my dream, uh, it like takes full control back from me. Like this one experience I had, I was in a bathroom. I realized that I was in a dream. And as soon as I did that and said, all right, I'm going to learn how to control this. All the walls dropped out and I started flying at a high rate through space, which is one of the things for whatever reason that horrifies me more than anything. Like I put on a VR headset and there's this thing where you can go through the uh, through the solar system and it like flies between planets and it would scare the living shit out of me. But uh, I guess my question is, how would somebody lucid dream or what are other methods of lucid dreaming? And if you get to a point where you realize you're lucid dreaming and the dream takes back control, is there a way to re be able to handle the dream? Or is that also a normal thing that happens where the dream almost like freaks out once it realizes that you realize that you're in control of it? Okay. So dream like reality is uh, okay. Can we talk about simulation theory here a little bit? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's all connected. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, I didn't necessarily, I mean, I, I came to that on my own. It wasn't from reading anything or anything like that, but, um, a couple of the, the things that I've been into, it just dreaming being one of them, you start seeing how things are almost like a computer program and the dream is always trying to put you back to sleep. If you wake up in the dream, it's going to try to put you back to sleep. Um, I had this really, really long lucid dream and it, it was stable and everything. And I was, okay. First thing that I did was like, okay, I was actually looking at what it was trying to show me. And it was like a bunch of people sit like standing in front of me in, in colored shirts. So I'm seeing a whole bunch of bright yellow. It's like, okay, sacral chakra. And I see a bunch of bright orange oak, or I mean, solar plexus. And then I saw orange. So I'm sitting there going, okay, so I need to work with my lower chakras. And then, then I say, okay, I want to meet an ascended master. Nothing happens. I want to meet an ascended master. Nothing happens. I was like, fine. Okay. I'm going to meditate. So I'm lucid dreaming. I'm trying to meditate. And I realized, okay, no, I'm not a meditator in my lucid dream. I can't do that. <laughs> so people were like, Oh, you got to try meditation. It was horrible. And then I was like, okay, I want to hear my feeling tone. And I waited. And then I was like, I want to hear my feeling tone. And um, the way it was described in another book that I read, it was like, more like, uh, and I just heard this. Beep. It was like a really high pitched frequency. I was like, okay. And then I was like, okay, what's behind the dream? I want to see behind the dream. Cause I, was, I just got bored. It was just going on and on and on. And I couldn't think of what else I wanted to happen. So all of a sudden um, I'm just floating and everything kind of disappears. And it's like a blue sky. I just see this blue light. And that was it. Um, 
but I think I messed with the dream so bad that all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm awake. I'm at home. This is my house. I don't remember waking up, but yep, I'm definitely awake. Okay, cool. And I'm looking around my house and everything looks normal. And then there's my kids and they're all sleeping in a line on the floor, which I don't know why that didn't seem weird to me. Anyway, I feel like that's totally normal too. But for some part of me still thinks I'm dreaming. So like there's a baby on the floor, apparently my baby. And I decide to like write right below its diaper line, like on its butt cheek with a yellow highlighter. And I was like, when I wake up, I'm going to see that. And I wake up, these are not my kids. And that was not my house, but the dream had convinced me that that was my life and that I was awake to put me back to sleep. So I've had some weird experiences like that too. Another dream I'd like to share with you too. Um, so there's this one dream where it felt like I was dimension hopping and I was trying to get back to my girlfriend. And every single time I found her, she was like different. And I realized that it wasn't quite her. So I would find a place to go to sleep in that dream. And then I'd wake up in another reality. And it got to the point where when I got back, like, I'm not a very emotional person. I was like emotional to have finally got back to her. So it kind of fits that where it's like, it keeps throwing you back to sleep so that you don't catch on to like the dream itself. And that's so creepy that you, I mean, not creepy. It's really awesome that you dreamt that because if you get into Carlos Castaneda, who like, he's really controversial. He wrote a bunch of books in the 1960s um, and early seventies. And he learned from a Mexican brujo, actually who's a Yakui Indian, but um, he learned plant medicine first actually. But then he, all throughout it he teaches him the art of dreaming so he's the first one to write a book on lucid dreaming and everybody's he's controversial they say that he made all this crap up but but try all the stuff in his dream book i guarantee that you'll have success and he wrote it before there was the psychology on it so it's insane but um one of the things one of the gates of dreaming they call it he says that there's seven gates of dreaming one of the gates of dreaming happens to be falling asleep in the dream. Um, they call it the twin positions. Like you could actually technically wake up somewhere else if you mirror your sleeping position and fall asleep in the dream. So like if I'm laying on my right side, my arm under the pillow or whatever, I would do the same thing. Um, but he also says that like, there's different levels of dreaming. So you can go up to like the 13th level if you keep falling asleep and waking up in another dream. So I've done it, but I've had like false awakenings, like seven or eight times where I keep thinking that I'm awake. I've driven halfway to work and realized I still wasn't out of bed yet. Like I thought I was ready for working on my way. That's horrifying to th- like to actually be caught up in that. And I don't know if you follow like Mandela effects, but the weird part about that <laughs> dream was after that dream, I noticed I was on the opposite side of like almost every Mandela effect. So like... I don't know if it's like you were saying that you like leave positions. Like what if you theoretically could like switch positions with yourself in another alternate reality where like both you wake up in each other's bodies thinking that it's normal, but then you'll start noticing weird little things that are off. Like I've heard a lot of different stories about people noticing that like all of a sudden their dog's like a different breed after they've had like a super weird dream and just shit like that. Um, okay. So going back to the art of dreaming book, they he talks about these inorganic beings and you can spot them in your dreams especially you know once you start dreaming not not your regular dreams but like lucid dreaming um 
you can spot these inorganic beings. So inorganic meaning that they're like spirits or whatever, they're disembodied, right? Mm -hmm. But they're especially attracted to males because they, he said that most of them are females. But when you take them back, like you can go back to their world with them. And the way that he described the world was like, it, to me, it sounded like almost like, um, like a beehive, like all these little tubes and all the tubes are different realities. Like in some realities, it's all cat people and other realities. Like um, they had taken him and tricked him one time and he woke up in another reality. Like they're, and what if that's what happened to me? And it was somebody. I know that's what disguised me out. As when you girlfriend. said that. I was like, that's exactly what he was describing. Dude, that just makes it even weirder that like, as I share my dream experiences, there's like even more things documented that are validation, exactly what I'm saying. right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like another idea that I've been entertaining lately is like, what if like the dreams are reality and it's like you were saying with the simulation theory that maybe this is like a formed reality that we all get pulled back to and we're all geared to, but this is an actual reality An actual reality. You have the ability to create and almost be like a God within your own reality, but we're also pushed into this that like you were saying, there's other forces at work that are trying to keep you in this solid reality versus coming back to that, which, you know, looking at it from a reverse perspective, like they could be putting you back to sleep. And by putting you back to sleep, that's when you like wake up in our like tangible, like what we perceive as reality. So I don't know if you're familiar with Vadim Zeland. He's a Russian um, author. He wrote reality transurfing. Okay. That book changed my life, but then he followed it up with this book and it's called Tufty the priestess. And this book is gold. It actually tells you don't ever give your copy of this book away and don't want it out because it's it's magic. It and I mean it's like you have to send without. that to me after the show because I definitely want to make sure I have that in my yeah. library now. <laughs> it's so good. Um but some of my favorite quotes about dreaming and because I actually really learned dreaming because of Vadim Zealand. Um but guess where he got all his stuff? He well he's a Russian quantum physicist. Mm -hmm. He got most of his stuff from Carlos Castaneda. So they're all, all these Russian mystics are obsessed with these Hispanic mystics. So it's kind of interesting because even um, the dream hackers who I've learned a lot from too, they're, they've learned all their stuff from Carlos Castaneda as well. So, so going but, into that too, cause I know that you mentioned it um, for the listeners that aren't aware of what that is, you care to give a brief description. Yeah. Um, the dream hackers are a group, um, that they were a group of dream. They were just dreamers and they were Russian and they got together and they started experimenting with their dreams. Can we meet up in dreams? Can we, um, what, what are the possibilities of dreaming? What, what's the limit? Right. And I think they were kind of inspired by Carlos Castaneda's the art of dreaming. And anyway, um, a couple of them or one of them wrote this book, this series, it's called the dream searchers. And the first book is called the seekers of the spirit. And the author is um, Andre Roitoff. Anyway, they, um, they were experimenting and doing some really phenomenally crazy stuff in the dream state that um, they attracted a group who I initially thought was a KGB, but but when you start reading, it's definitely like the Illuminati <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> you know, so they call them the legionnaires. So, but, um, cause Russians 
and Nazis specifically, I don't want to say Germans because it was specifically the Nazi group. I feel like they were a lot farther, are a lot farther into all of these concepts than we believe they are. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they really are. And so the dream searchers, the dream hackers, then when they um, translated it to English, they did dream searchers. But um, anyway, this is marketed as fiction, but it tells you to try all the, all of it. It says, this is, this is fiction. However, try all the things that we're discussing in this book. It, it is based on real people. So. so they purposely do that with a lot of stuff, even like sci-fi. It's like, you have to put stuff as fiction. Otherwise it's like, it, it also opens up another market too, because then people can read it thinking it's a story. And then you also have people that are interested in it, following it too. So it's like, you get your message out to more people by just calling it fiction, you know? You do because otherwise like Carlos Castaneda, he was totally, they said he made it all up. Mm-hmm. So at least if you put it as fiction and somebody wants to feel that way, you can just go as fiction. Say, yeah, you're right. It's fiction. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and it's great. I mean, it actually taught me one of the coolest things ever, which is the patience of the Medici, which also led me back to believing, not believing, knowing that this is simulation. <laughs> so connecting into what you were saying, um, I also want to mention that back when I was in high school, um, I used to have this thing that when I would dream travel and come back, it wouldn't be like near me on my chest, anything like that. But I always kind of referred to it as like a shadow person that would be kind of off in the distance, but it had green eyes. So I had a friend in high school who basically we both didn't know that both of us had these experiences and uh, we both like were hanging out. I ended up sleeping over his house one night. So I ended up meeting him in the dream and I'm just like, all right, whatever. Like, this is just, you know, just a dream. I'm just having this. So we wake up and then we both start talking about it and realize that we both had the same dream. And when I started talking to him, I realized that he's also had the same experiences, but he sees a thing with blue eyes. So just a weird connection that maybe that I don't know what the green or blue eyes mean, but like two people in the same room were able to connect within the dream. And then going off of that, too, um, my girlfriend isn't normally a person who's into that realm of things. Uh, She doesn't really have dream walking experiences, anything like that. Um, but I got with her when my experiences started to like dissipate a little bit more. Like I said, I still get vivid dreams here and there, but they're not as frequent as they used to be. Um, but one particular night I was watching TV and she was sleeping and I heard a boom on the stairs and then she jumped up and she said something to me like, Oh shit, I fell down the stairs in my dream. And I was like, that's weird. Cause I just heard a boom on the stairs. And then after that, I started describing to her like what exactly I did. But, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of weird that it's like even people that don't have those dreams. I wonder if people that are lucid dreamers almost like overflow their energy, like onto people around them like that. Yeah. um, Dreamers usually like lucid dreamers will usually have really, um, or I feel like my daughter actually sponges off my dreaming energy a lot. Like when I tell her to try something, she'll do it almost that night or the next night. Um, But it's and that's really kind of where it all comes from too the people who aren't dreaming it's i'm not not trying to like push anything on y'all but i'm just saying a lot of the times it's because you're not dealing with your shit you got to deal with your traumas he called um carlos castaneda calls it recapitulation you need to like get that stuff out that's why i i talk about the healing and stuff because your dream self is your energetic body it's, it's a whole other body. It's you, but if it's not strong, you're not going to dream. You're not going to remember your dreams and you're not going to be like doing really cool, awesome stuff. So if you can do your shadow work and 
you know, start releasing some of these trapped emotions, you will have more energy for that energetic body. So, so uh, also too, going off that last question, um, from like your interpretation of like dream interpretation and just interpretation of things normally, uh, do you think that the green and blue eyes meant anything? It's reoccurring. Um, when I was a kid, uh, for him, he said he always saw the thing with blue eyes. Uh, I never saw the thing that he said with blue eyes, but I would frequently experience, especially when I was a teenager, um, like as I would describe it, like a shadow person, because they're never really like on top of me or anything. They're kind of just off in the distance, but I'd always see like glowing green eyes. How did they make you feel? Um, it wasn't like, I don't even know how to describe the feeling. It wasn't like scared, but it also wasn't like happy either. It was more so just like, uh, just that weird feeling of like something's watching you, but you don't quite know how to like decipher if it's good or bad, you know? Okay. So this is going back to my daughter and, and her nightmares, right? Um, I realized her nightmares really weren't getting better. She was still having them every night. So what I did was practicing with my own dreams. Every time I started having a nightmare, instead of changing my dream, I turn around and face the nightmare and say, what are you trying to teach me? And they wouldn't always tell me, but they would be like, the dream would just pause and the person would look at me all crazy and like, uh, 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 and then have to reset. Right. Um, but I knew it's something that inside myself that I needed to heal. And since that didn't, I told my daughter to try that and she had done that too. And it felt like you didn't always get answers, but what I switched up instead was the next time I had a nightmare, I looked at it and I just said, are you ready to reintegrate? And it looked at me and, and I kind of looked at it and what some of my dreams are ready to reintegrate. So these are, these are those soul fragments. So usually when you see these shadowy things or scary things or the nightmares or the stuff that's chasing you, it's a soul fragment. It's a piece of you that you cut off a long time ago. So anytime you've like made a hard decision in your life or you've decided like, oh, I can't be this person anymore. I can't like this band because that's not cool. Or, you know, anytime you've done that, you fragmented yourself a little bit, you split yourself. And so you're trying to bring all those pieces back together. That's what reintegration is. It's, it's pulling back all your power, pulling back the pieces of yourself. And, um, and so these little shadow things still exist. These little pieces of you are still there. You compartmentalize the crap out of them though. So they've got to like, um, they've gotten scary. <laughs> they, they actually didn't, can, they continued to grow too. They do weird things. Like one of my shadow people was a half dog. Like it was a dog shadow man. So anyway, when I see the shadowy figures now, I started going, are you ready to come back? And sometimes they are, um, my soul though reintegrates like through sex. It's embarrassing when I tell other people that, but it just is, I know I reintegrated a piece of me when I, when I have sex with it in my dream. Um, but not everybody does that. Okay. They're that makes sense though. It's like a rebonding. So yeah, like, it makes sense. Yourself. Okay. Yeah. I was like, that's what, I mean, I don't feel embarrassed, but I mean, it's, it's not necessarily probably the way most women would do things. It's just the way that my body or my, my soul decides to do it. It's like um, an interpretation, but honestly, like looking yeah. at it from like the most, uh, like straightforward way possible, it just sounds like, like a reconnecting with yourself. Yeah. Um, and I've done it with like my divine masculine and feminine, but, but that's another story. But with, um, I had one with that. It was like a dog person and it did not want to reintegrate. Like it scared the crap out of me. And it was like attacking me and it had these, um, it was just shadowy and had sharp teeth. And 
all I could really see was the teeth. And I was like, are you ready to reintegrate? So I'm getting ready to like, I'm, I'm offering to have sex with this thing. And it's like, I just want to eat your face. And so I, I just, it pissed me off. I, I went and opened up the wall because there was not a door. I was like, dogs belong outside. <laughs> <laughs> and I kicked it out. So that's a piece of me. I didn't reintegrate, but, um, but it just wasn't ready yet. It was wild and wanted to stay wild. But I told my daughter to try that. So the next time that it had, you know, the next nightmare that she had, which was like the next night, she dreamt that this character was running after her. And so she's like, wait a second, that's a soul fragment. So she turns around and she's like, she, she stops and it stops and looks at her. And she's like, and it was like this long haired guy. She's like, I think he's Hawaiian. And she said, I just kind of said, are you ready to come back? And he looks at her and he goes, are you sure? And she said, yeah. And he gives her a thumbs up and she hugged him and he came back into her. <laughs> and she said it released this memory, like some weird memory. And she couldn't even remember when she woke up, but it was a memory from her life. And then she did it again recently. She said, um, my, my children are, are Mexican, actually. And she said that she was in a Mexican restaurant and there was a tornado and she went outside and there was a shadow thing chasing her. And so it became a nightmare and she almost ran back inside and was scared. And then she realized, wait a second, that's, that's my soul fragment. So she went and ran and grabbed it. It's just like, she, she pulled it back into her. She said, I just hugged it really tight and I wouldn't let it go. And, um, she's, she said it was weird because inside the Mexican restaurant, she's like the, it was like a grandfather type figure. He was kept giving her ice cream. She's like, I know why it was a Mexican restaurant because when that happened, it was a memory of my dad. When she reintegrated that piece, she had a memory of her father. So it was really weird. Like, so, so. I, want, I wonder if uh, just going off of what you said, um, when I was seeing that, it was during a time where, like, you know, as a teenager, everybody's like angsty and I wasn't doing any like self care for myself. So I know yeah. that green is supposed to represent like a nurturing color. So I wonder if it was a representation of the fact that I wasn't like taking care of like myself. Um, but another dream that I was interested in sharing with you to get your interpretation on it, um, that I've asked a few people, but I was like to get different perspectives on it. So before I start the story, it has a happy ending because it has like a sounds like a sad part in the middle. But I just like to give that disclaimer. Um, so when I used to do all the, the dream traveling when I was a kid, um, there was one time I went to this place and the best way I could describe it was the middle of space, I was inside of like a purple nebula and I wasn't really like floating or standing. I was just kind of existing within it. And I thought it was just a dream. But when I came back, I uh, had sleep paralysis directly after. So I didn't see this place again for a while. Um, I went through some hard times with uh, with my lady that we were trying to have another kid and it was eight weeks. It didn't have a heartbeat. So she had to get a DNC. We ended up losing that one. Um, so I had this dream where I went to that same exact place and there was a little boy that looked like me and he said something along the lines of like, that wasn't a good one. I'll see you on the next one. And that was the end of that. And then I had sleep paralysis after that again, which is the part where I kind of connect things weird if it's a dream or if it's, you know, me actually like leaving my body. Um, so then, you know, come to find out a couple weeks later, you know, she's pregnant again and we're having a boy. So it's a soul contract, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is that not, I mean, I definitely, I used to be so like, Christian. And it's so funny because everything shifted and, and not on purpose. And I didn't think that that could happen really. I thought I was pretty like strong in my faith. And, um, you just start to see 
My daughter told my ex-husband when she was little, like she had just woken up from a nap. She's like, I picked you. <laughs> like, where did that come from? You know, like, but she needed him so she could complete whatever, you know, she needed to complete in this lifetime to learn what she needed to le- learn. I do believe in soul contracts. I believe we, we choose our parents and I, we, ch- and not only that, you know, we choose our children because they're also here to teach us lessons. So I want to share this uh, this concept with you that I've been thinking of lately um, that kind of fits into that too. Um, so theoretically, a lot of people when they have uh, near-death experiences or they die and come back, they say that they see like a void, but they're still conscious within that void. So an idea that I've been entertaining lately is what if you can create within that void and that would be how you'd like entertain yourself. So then going back to like the Bible, um, it talks about that void and things being created within a void. So what if somebody figured out how to create within that void. And it's almost like, say, like playing like Minecraft or something, for example, like you create the map and then you want to be able to get in the map afterwards. So what if like our reality could be this thing that we perceive as God splitting its consciousness because it created this map that it wants to experience. So then uh, like these soul contracts are almost like different fragments of the Mm -hmm. same beings consciousness, you know, but theoretically when anybody passes away, um, like there's two, two options, either one, you're part of that consciousness and you're going to recycle or two, if you're in that void, maybe there's like specific people and then you could almost create a reality within that. So then you kind of can connect like, you know, like multiple dimensions back with the Bible. And it kind of just furthers my interpretation that all these religions, all these spiritual things, uh, Christianity, they're all the same thing. They're just different perspectives of the same thing. Yeah. Well, are you familiar at all with the law of one? Um, Yes and no. Um, for the listeners, again, also that don't know, if you care to reiterate, I'd appreciate it. Um, the Law of One is channeled material, and um, it was channeled by an entity called Ra, and Ra actually was um, Ra, what, it is the Ra from Egypt, but it was That's taken was out of context. You. It was taken out of context. Ra was actually like, um, Ra was the personality of Venus, the planet Venus. So, um, they're like a sixth density being. So, you know, people are like, oh, like upgrade to 5D and everything. And they're talking about, you know, like the spiritual community. And um, really, this is not talking about dimensions, it's talking about densities. They're saying that this lifetime on Earth as humans were third density beings. And density is how much light passes through you. So first density would be like a rock, an element. We've had lifetimes as rocks. And it says that um, second density is um, like a plant or an animal. And third density has a higher level of consciousness. And this is your shortest lifetime. Um, You go on fourth density and all that um, much higher, but third density is the hardest and it's the shortest for a reason because but it but it's simple like your purpose here is just to choose service to self or service to others but basically it all boils down to the fact that the creator we're all the creator we are all god every single one of us but not just us everything is the creator so you know the rocks are god and and not necessarily god in the sense that you're supposed to worship it just that you are it and and also you know so when I look at you, I shouldn't look at you as somebody to compare myself to or against or to think you're weird or to think you're awesome and want to be like you. Because the thing is, I should just see the God in you, right? 
that you are the creator and you're here, you're, you're God experiencing himself or herself in another form. So really there is no right or wrong. And I know that that's such a shit statement. You know? I've said and, that and, too, that the only reason that there is right or wrong is because humans have decided what's right and wrong. Like murder yeah. everywhere else in the animal kingdom is just life. But to humans, yeah. we have a consciousness. So we think like, not that everything doesn't have a consciousness, but we think about it more. So it bothers us. So that's why we separate ourselves from every other animal on the planet. Yeah. And, and it's that, you know, if God is experiencing himself through every person, even these crazy, you know, people who do horrible, horrible things, you know, it's, it's, I mean, if it was a video game, would it be bad to play the bad side? That's what I always related to. It's almost like playing Grand Theft Auto where some people want to drive around, pretend like they're obeying traffic, do the little things. And then other people just want to run around and just murder people just because in reality. And hog the horn at prostitutes. (laughs) Yeah. Like like you're seeing it as like you're killing people. But theoretically, if there's like a higher power controlling you in a sense, it knows that those things are just like, I don't want like just other forms of its consciousness. They're just going to recreate itself. So in that aspect, it's not like you're really ending everything. You're just playing the character in the game you know (laughs) yeah so it's like god the creator created this whole experience but now god is experiencing it through you firsthand so instead of just being the creator he's experiencing it so so yeah if god is the ocean we're each a drop you know and and we're the entire ocean in a drop we're not you're all completely god and the whole purpose of this third density life you have to keep getting reincarnated unless you can choose service to self or service to others. Your, your, your purpose here is to choose one or the other and um, service to self, obviously. I mean, there, you know, people who are that way, but it's a very, you have to be very, very polarized in the negative polarity to be service to self. So not everyone who, who seems like selfish assholes will be service to self because they have to be 97% or higher polarized. They have to be pretty, pretty negative, dark people. Um, but to choose service to others, which sounds easy, but it's really not either. You only have to be 51%. So you only have to be slightly more service to others than you are service to self. And I don't think that that's asking too much, but, but supposedly if you don't choose that in this lifetime, you got to come back. Do you think there's people that like they may choose one of those things, but then they still come back because maybe there's certain people that are supposed to be here at certain times for a certain Mm -hmm. thing to happen. Because like I've had experiences where I have, it was, it was on LSD. So, I mean, you could throw it out the window or take it for what it is, but I had it multiple times where I would have these like visions where I would go back and I was the same person every single time. But like the first impression of it was that I was a Viking. I was in a middle of a field. Like I could see like my arms and everything like that. It was like, I was, you know, within the person viewing it from like my normal eyes. And then the second time I had like that visions, I know I was the same person because I could still see the same markings, everything on my arm. Um, But I was in like, I guess it was like a tent or something. And I was like handing like mushrooms to people within that tent. So like, my question is if, I talked to Whitney. She's things she believes that I had like shamanistic practices in my past lives. But if I was doing that in my past lives and I was doing that service to others, um, do you think that again, people are recycled who are supposed to be here at certain times, not because they didn't do what they were supposed to do, but because there's certain people that are supposed to live certain different life paths in order to get to that next thing. And it's not that they played them wrong, but they just have to play these multiple parts. Well, I kind of listened to one of your episodes where you were talking about like the Anunnaki and, you know, um, 
God and all of that. And you guys were talking about, uh, I forget exactly where I was going with that, but talking yeah, about the I, life cycle, um, where I was saying that, like, if we're the gods to the next thing and there's a God before yeah. us, and I got into the whole concept of like, it might be a continuous life cycle where the first thing creates yeah. the last thing. And it's just, that's how life continues it's on. The and consciousness right? Through everything. And the Ouroboros is like, I feel like the Ouroboros is a non-reversal. Yeah. And you kind of talked about AI or not AI, but you also, you did talk about AI, but you also talked about extraterrestrials. And so, yeah, what if there is an extraterrestrial higher density form of you that's coming down? And I think that we do, but also it makes me feel like back to the whole time isn't linear thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you could be living those things at multiple times. Like, I know it sounds weird, but maybe you know, I feel I like they all happen at the same time happening at the same time. Yeah, it is. And it's I like really a connection with the other consciousness where you guys, maybe he had visions of like the future at that same time, you know? Yeah. I About- feel like it's an onion, right? Like time is more like a, <laughs> you know, back to the ogre onion thing, but it's kind of, <laughs> you know, it's not a sphere. It's not a line. It's like an onion. It's got for like infinite points on the outside, but there's also I mean, even more, if you look at all the different layers on the inside and that's how I see time. I mean, you can even look at dimensions like that too, that it's just like a bunch of dimensions that are on top of each other. Yeah, they are exactly. That's what it is. Except we might be progressing towards the middle because I've pointed out on a few other podcasts too, that it almost feels like time is moving faster now than it ever has before. So it makes me wonder if it was like, we're on the outside of the onion and that's why time felt longer. And now we're starting to get closer to the inside of the onion. And that's why time feels like it's speeding up. And then that being said, that makes me question, is it a thing where like consciousness is only supposed to be around for so long and it comes to like a point and then it reconnects itself? And are we starting to like get to that point where it started off where everybody was spread out and everybody's starting to move closer to the middle of the onion? And at a certain point, like whatever the big consciousness is might like reconnect itself and be back to one consciousness again. Well, that's what law of one says. So law of one says that earth, each planet is an archetype pretty much, which is, you know, it's funny because I have a friend who, who dreams of the planetary archetypes, but, um, but earth, she said, chose service to self. So it chose probably like in the 1930s and it takes about a hundred years for the DNA to upgrade too. So she's saying, or the loved one says that not she, um, that earth is about to change. Like we're seeing it. It's like, we will see it in our lifetime. We're still third density beings, but we'll probably see fourth density beings being born like our children or maybe our grandchildren. And, um, do you think they might be the people that are conjoined with like, uh, like bio biotechnics and like Neuralink and things like that, that it just will connect us with like something digital, but but it will be like that, but they don't need it. I don't think they even need it. I think it'll be like that though, because it says, that, that might be purposeful by like a higher power to try to like keep your consciousness imprisoned in something. Yeah, exactly. To keep it in their third density, their their lower level, because fourth density is that it's um the collective conscious, because we know that the collective unconscious exists in psychology. Um that I think it was named by Carl Jung, but but they that's what the dream space is. We all access the same crap. You know, have you ever noticed when somebody invents something like the next day it's invented across the country or across the world, like two people, like basically invent the same thing right around the same time in whole different parts of the world, because they're both accessing the same spot in the dream space. 
it's the collective unconscious, but the fourth density is about collective consciousness. So we're, this isn't hive mind. It's not the same thing. It's just that, you know, we will communicate telepathically. Do you think that that's uh, also partly like connecting into like the Akashic records? Cause it seems like I'll come up with a lot of like ideas that I hadn't gotten from previous places. And then somebody will say, Oh, this was part of this. So do you think that it's like we all tap into the Akashic records more than we more than we realize? And maybe that's why multiple people have the same idea at the same time is because that was like an opening in the record where it pushed into somebody's head. And again, too, that goes into the idea where a lot of inventors will say they don't feel like a lot of the things they do are their idea. It just kind of like came to them. And a lot of them come from dreams. Um, Can I read a couple quotes to you from this book? Yeah, of course. Um, Okay, so this is Tufty the Priestess says, so listen, sleeping and waking life are roughly the same thing. In the early years, you did not distinguish your dreams from reality. You don't remember it now, but back then you did not think that there was a boundary or any difference between this world and that. Then the grown-ups, grown-ups explained to you that the world of dreams is just a product of your imagination, that it isn't real. So it's indoctrined into us. <clears throat> In fact, you are fed a false belief. That world is just as real as this one. It exists just in another space. You move from one space to another when you wake up and when you fall asleep. Does that surprise you? Does it scare you? You got used to this idea, but still dreaming and waking life that follows the dream are like life and death. Life is the dream. Death is the waking experience, but not the other way around. Um, in both spaces, reality moves like a frame in a film roll. Yet you don't understand that because you only see what is right underfoot. You lost the ability to look ahead when you started to believe what the grown-ups said about dreams not being real. See, that makes so me wonder it's, too. It's if a film it's, archive and the dream space is the Akashic. That definitely, yeah. I would say that that's a connection too. So like my other question too is that like it, obviously that there, there's darker forces out there that feed off of like negative energy and bad energy. So do you think that those beings might be the thing that started instilling into like people's heads that the dream space is fake and that this real world is real is for the sake of like they know that people are miserable in this reality and they feed off of that energy and it may have been, yes yeah, down the line absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it's about consciousness suppression and you know i i mean if you don't believe in lushing do you not watch the I mean, I don't watch the news. <laughs> I try not to watch it, but I mean, you still get parts of it if you're connected on social media at all. Reality is a circus right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're still buying into the circus, y'all, then I mean, they're losing you. <laughs> it's just, it's one thing after another. It's just to keep polarizing people and pissing them off and making them push the pendulum. And they don't care which way you push it. They lose it all. Yeah, because they just want to suck up that energy. Because yeah. even if you're on, the, like, for example, like the whole mask thing, like you have people that are so scared because of the news that they feel like they have to wear a mask everywhere. So that's creating fear with those people. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other side that doesn't agree with the masks, but they're angry at the fact that they're being forced to wear masks. So even still, that's creating a negative emotion that if there are dark forces out there, they could be feeding off of emotions from both sides. Yeah, exactly. And it keeps everyone in a lower state of consciousness. Because, I mean, if you look at the the scale of consciousness. Have you ever seen that? You know, like anger and fear, they're so low, you know, you, you're not going to connect to your higher self and connect to, um, 
all these spiritual things and stuff. And if you're stuck in those feelings, see, I've tried to use it. Like you take those bad emotions and you turn them into something that can be good. So like, say you're jealous of somebody because they have things that you don't have rather than continuously feeling jealous. You use that as a drive to pursue your passions. Or if you're angry about something, for example, um, you can use that as inspiration to do something like, you know, like a lot of going back to the, to the whole COVID thing, a lot of people were pissed off about COVID. So they started doing a podcast and that's like a way of turning like a negative emotion into something positive, because by doing that, you're able to like speak out, you can vent your frustrations, you can make other people not feel so alone. But that, I always like to tell people it's okay to feel bad emotions, but like turn them into something that you can use to make yourself better or to do something good. And I love that because that's, that's you having such a healthy mindset. It's not being a, a victim because we are all trapped in this victim slash victimizer mindset. And it is a mindset. And it also is keeping you trapped in the reality circus. Like you're not ever going to grow if you can't just shut it off. You know, how can you use those negative things to drive you forward and, and, and help you to be intentional yeah, because that's really, what it comes down to anything is it's all about the intention. Yeah, it is. Because nothing's inherently bad or good. It's all about like, the, the again, the way you use it, because you can take something that somebody sees as like, like another, like a more literal example is, is a gun, for example, you know, like you could use it to kill people, which is obviously a bad intention, but you could also use it for things like hunting, um, you know, protection of your family. So it's, again, it's all about the intention and it's like, use the tool properly. Yeah, but I can do the same thing with a hammer, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I can use it to build something or I could use it to hurt somebody or break something down. So yeah, it, it, it is. It's about intention. So um, I guess before we start wrapping it up here, um, I don't know if I, if I fully got it answered earlier, but say if uh, somebody was trying to learn how to lucid dream, uh, what would be like a good like crash course to like get started doing that? Okay, so this is again, intention. So uh, before you go to bed, intend to wake up in your dream. But um, another thing to do is just decide I'm going to find my hands in a dream because you're always you always see your hands, whether you're on a steering wheel or grabbing something. So look for your hands in a dream. And it does help to see your hands before you go to bed. Um, and let's see. Would that like React- jog a memory, too, of like, you know, you're staying at your hands before you went to sleep and you're staring at your hands in your dream, it's almost like that we were talking about earlier where you have something repressed that pops back up from your dreams. It's like making that connection to go, Oh wait, I remember seeing this before. Is that, is that kind of the, yeah, exactly. Yep. And then I, I, now I use my hands to stabilize the dream because sometimes when you're lucid dreaming, um, you'll forget, or you'll, you'll forget that you're dreaming, you know, you fall back to sleep Mm because the dream's trying to put you back. It's trying to hypnotize you. So I just look at my hands and it helps me stabilize. So I'll, I'll, I throw my hands up. I look at them the whole time. It's kind of weird, but it's like, if I have them in my field of vision, I can keep going. So have you had experiences with like that light trick that I was telling you about? Wait, Oh, I haven't tried. No, I haven't tried that. I sleep with a sleep mask on because, um, like I go to bed before my husband and I can sleep through noise like crazy, but I can't sleep through like light blaring in my eyes. So see what I usually try to do is it's not like a bright light. I'll take like a, like a night light and okay. I'll just make sure it's in my field of vision. Like if I'm laying sideways, so it's like, you don't see it, see it where you can't fall asleep, but when your eyes are closed, you can still kind of notice like a very, very vague light. And it kind of like keeps you 
subconsciously partly awake. Um, I haven't personally heard. I mean, I'm sure there are people that have tried that before, but I haven't personally heard about it. But that's something no. that I've always used myself that seems to work for me. Well, because that's some people use like vitamin B, like B6 and stuff, because the B vitamins usually you take in the morning because they wake you up. That's what's in energy drinks and stuff. But if you take vitamin B before bed and um, even a, cu- a cup of coffee, so that a little bit of a stimulant, if you can go to sleep with it, it'll kind of keep you on that verge of not falling deep, deep asleep. But then another thing that I really, really like, and a lot of people take melatonin and I don't recommend that because it, it it's a hormone and I don't think that you should take a hormone. They think it's a supplement, but it's not. Um, but five HTP is the name of a supplement and it's over the counter and it's like L tryptophan. So it, it actually, you know, it's like the Turkey, the Turkey, um, amino acid, mm-hmm. but I take like 200 milligrams of that and you'll have really, really vivid dreams and then, <laughs> and you'll remember them. But also if you take it for like two weeks in a row, you'll start lucid dreaming too. So uh, for the listeners that didn't get that. And also for me, can you, can you re-say the name of that? Yep. It's five. And then it has a hyphen HTP. HTP. All right. I just want to make sure that I have it down. And if any listeners are interested, they can also make sure they get that one down. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I like it. So it helps your brain produce serotonin too. So like when you wake up in the morning, you're usually in a really good mood. Oh, that's also just a little added bonus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think so. <laughs> but uh, I guess I always like to do uh, words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So if you had any words, words of wisdom you'd like to tell to the listeners, uh, what would it be? Treat your dreams like they're sacred. You know, they're, they are important. Write them down, try to remember them and talk to them with your friends and family. It, it, the more that you talk about them, the more that you're going to remember them and the more that they're going to reveal their magic to you. Perfect. Yeah. I, I always, uh, I like to point out too, that I've heard it from a few people. Um, keep a dream log too. Um, if you do remember dreams, make sure you write them all down. Uh, because when you remember them, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll remember them, but they'll still try to slide away from you. Like sand in an hourglass, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. So anytime you remember pieces of your dream also, you know, make sure that you write it down, even if it's a small piece during the day, cause then you can start reconnecting your dreams. And then notes in your phone is awesome because you could search later for like keywords they're searchable. So I do, I started um, dream journaling in my phone. That's smart. That's uh, honestly, that's where I feel like technology goes now is that it's, it's like so awesome. you can carry a notepad, but you have this thing in your pocket that you can store everything and you can alphabetize it. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And you can do a voice note. So it'll actually, you know, it might not come out exactly right. You know, um, text to speech or speech to text. True. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for anybody that's interested in coming and finding you, uh, wh- where, where would they do that? Um, you can find me on Instagram at abstract dreamer, a nice spot abstract incorrectly because my name is Abby. So it's A-B-B-S-T-R-A-C-T, abstract underscore dreamer. And then uh, I know that you said that there was something else you wanted to promote. Uh, what, what was that other thing you wanted to promote? Are you talking about my dream coven? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a dream coven experiment that we're doing on Telegram. Um, we read the first uh, dream searchers book together and we're getting ready to start the second dream searchers book. So if you're interested, yeah, you can find me on telegram. Um, my name is abstract one there. So. Awesome. So th- this has been a great conversation. I'm really happy that you made the time to come on the show and we'll definitely have to do a second part to this, uh, and jump some more ideas off of each other. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely have to do this again. And if you're interested too, you could always hop on uh, big dumb inquiries with Kyle and I too. Oh, I'd do that. Awesome. So yeah, we'll plan that after the show then. 
Awesome. So uh, to all the listeners that are still around, I appreciate you spending the time to listen to this whole conversation. And I hope you have a good night. I'll see you on the next one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.